Good morning, Grace. Glad to see you guys here this morning. Had a great first service this morning. Glad to see you here. Glad to have you here. If you don't know, if you're this today's your first time, you don't know me. My name is Sam Ferris. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Grace. I'm in the bullpen, so I'm a relief pitcher, which which I'm okay with that. But uh, I'm honored to be here, and I've loved this series that we've done about the parables and and studying and seeing what they what Jesus is trying to tell us through these parables. And um, most of these parables we've been talking about, he's been leading up to telling us what the kingdom of heaven is like. You know, it's like this, and it's about being prepared and being ready. Today, the two parables that we'll be talking about today are serious parables. It's about being ready. And so he gets really down to the nitty and gritty here. It's about being prepared. And before I begin, I want to tell an embarrassing story Maybe some of you here can relate to it. So if you're bold enough and, and confident enough to raise your hand if you've ever ran out of gas. Ran out of gas. Okay, good. I'm not alone. Now, how many of you have ran out of gas more than once? More than once? Okay, that, that's good. Michael, thank you. I know I could count on you. I, counted, I could count on Roger first service, and he told me earlier that he's done it five or six times, so I could have kept going but not throwing him under the bus or anything. But you would think one would learn after one time of running out of gas, right? It's, it's kind of embarrassing, right? Kind of embarrassing. Not a, not a good situation to be in. You would think you would learn. I had an uh, old Camaro that, uh, that I loved, and it didn't get very good gas mileage, but it got plenty of smiles per gallon. And my car had, it didn't have you know, dummy lots telling you that fuel is low. It didn't have a calculator on it that calculated your range like some of our new cars have today. It just had F and E. And when it got close to the E, really a toss-up, you didn't really have a clue when you were going to run out. So the smart thing, the wise thing for me to do is to always fill up before I got close to the E. But there are some times that I'd procrastinate. I would not be prepared and it would be too low. Well, one morning, it had, had to be a Monday morning, but I was going to school, and I forgot, ah, oh, I should have filled my tank up last night, and I didn't. And the fuel gauge in the car, you know, it was just slammed on E, you know, it was beyond E. I think, well, great, I'm going to be on vapor. And so I thought, well, I can make it. I can make it to school. It's not that far away. And so I start going, and and I start going up a hill, and all of a sudden it starts to sputter. I'm like, no, no. So I pull over. Just luckily, my grandfather was behind me. And so he went back to the house and got the gas can. I was fortunate enough to have a rescuer. I was unprepared, but I was able to borrow some fuel. And so I made it to school on time. But that was a very close call. You would think I would have learned my lesson. Wrong. My next car that I had, it was a little bit more high-tech. It was a little bit more advanced. It had a reserve light that would come on. And so the natural thing for me to do was to see how many miles I could get on reserve, right? And so I would get as close as I can. And it even had the range on there, which was not very accurate. Okay, so don't trust those in your cars, okay? When it gets to E, go, go get gas. No matter what the light's telling you or no matter what the range says, go get fuel. But one day I was in the car and I, I knew I was getting close to empty, and I was saying how far I could go. 
And just luckily, I ran out of gas right in front of a gas station. So I pull in. Of course, the car dies, so I don't have any power steering. So I just ride the clutch, and I, and I coast right into the gas pump, just like I planned it, right? Just like I planned it. And so I got gas. But that was a fortunate time. I was, I was lucky that time. But I was not prepared. And see, running out of fuel usually is all about your preparation. It's about not being prepared. Those two instances, I was not prepared. And so you guys probably had those same kind of stories about not being prepared, about running out of gas. And your situations might not have turned out like mine. You might have been on the side of the road for a long time. You might have had to go on a long journey to find fuel. I was fortunate. But today we're going to dive into two parables that talks about being ready for eternity, about having enough fuel for eternity. And so in the previous chapter we're going to be talking about today, Jesus is speaking personally to his disciples. Because usually when we read his word in the parables, he's talking to a great multitude of people. He's talking to his disciples. He's talking to, to uh, religious leaders. He's talking to just common people. And they're all there. But in this instance, he's telling them about the kingdom of heaven. He's, saying, he's pulling up a chair and he's getting intimate with them and saying, listen, this is what it's like. This is what it's like. So he's getting intimate here with us about our eternity And in this parable that we're going to be talking about today, there is a wedding. There's a wedding. Now, totally different weddings than what we have today, right? Today, we usually have a groom. He goes and asks the uh, father for her hand in marriage, right? And you plan it out for a few months, and you get married, go on honeymoon, and then you live your life, right? Not so back then. Back then, the bridegroom or the groom would go to the father's house, his father-in-law's house, and they would have a transaction. They would, they would draw out a contract. They would say, okay, if you give me this so much, then you can have my daughter. Or what are you going to give me in return? Right? And we just had a wedding here not too long ago. Rick and Kenneth Wattenberger got married in the, in the church. right? And so James was very troubled by this because instead of Rick giving him a bunch of money or a bunch of things for, Ken, for Kenitha, he ended up spending all the money on the wedding, right? So he was, he was kind of hurt by that. So we do things backwards now, right? So, so this wedding, right, it's a long, drawn-out process, and it would, it would last up to seven days, so it would last up to a week. And it would be a long, drawn-out process. So that's where we're going to start off today, about this wedding ceremony, 2,000 years ago. But before we get into Scripture, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you for this day, Lord, and Lord, we just lift you up today. Lord, we just want your spirit and your presence here with us. Lord, just fill this place, fill this atmosphere with your loving spirit and your guiding spirit. Lord, you're welcome here. Lord, just open our hearts, clear our minds that you are going to speak to us today, that you're going to talk to us, that you're going to stir our hearts to be better prepared for you and to be better prepared for our eternity. Lord, we just lift you up. In your name we pray. Amen. So let's go ahead and get into the scripture. We're going to be in Matthew chapter 25 today, verses 1 through 13. So it's going to be up here behind me on the Sky Bible if you want to follow along. But we're going to start in verse 1. Again, a wedding celebration. The kingdom of heaven will be like ten bridesmaids who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Okay, so this is, this is weird already, right? So we have these ten bridesmaids, so it's not a small wedding, right? Ten bridesmaids, ten bridesmaids, they have their lamps and they're excited. See, they're waiting on the wedding party to come back. See, they would go to the, 
father-in-law's house. They would drop the contract. They would have every kind of transaction they wanted to have or needed to have. And then they would make the long journey from the father-in-law's house to the bridegroom's house, which is usually his father's house, and they would just add on to it. And then that's where the wedding and the, the wedding feast would take place. So the wedding party would be there waiting halfway to join the wedding party, to join the wedding journey, right? And so they would have these torches. They would have these lamps. Now, these were not like little lamps that you would light your room with. No, they were, they were more like torches, like tiki torches, right? They were, they were big. Now, I wasn't allowed to have live flame up here today, so you get just a basic no... Hey, it works a little bit. So imagine this is fire. Ooh, it's fire. It's fire. Right? So they had these lamps lit, and they were waiting on the progression. They were waiting on the bridegroom. They were waiting to go to this big, drawn-out wedding and this wedding feast. And this was the event of the year, right? The event of the year. These were ten young unmarried girls. Some uh, versions call them virgins. It's because they were very young. They were unmarried. Right? They were, they were probably teenagers, right? And so this was like the event of the year. See, these bridesmaids, they were, they, were, they were the same. They probably knew each other. They probably got their hair done together. They probably went to the same place to get their nails done, to get ready for the, for the wedding. They probably got their dresses together. You really couldn't tell these bridesmaids apart from the outside. Right? They were all dressed the same. Right, they all had their torches, but we're going to see a distinct difference between these bridesmaids. See, five were wise and five were foolish. Now, usually in our weddings today, we have if you have groomsmen or bridesmaids, you have the matron of honor, and then then you work your way down from there. And then the last person, they're just lucky to be there, right? We don't like to think that. I'm just kidding. But there was nothing really significant about these five or these ten bridesmaids. But it does say five were wise and five were foolish. Five were wise, five were foolish. See, by just looking at them, you couldn't tell. But they were all waiting. They all had their torches. They all had their lights because it was night. I don't know why they had to do all these things at night, but they did. So they had their torches, but only five were prepared. Five were prepared. Verse 2 through 5. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The five who were foolish didn't take enough olive oil for their lamps. But the other five were wise enough to take along extra oil. When the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and fell asleep. They all became drowsy and fell asleep. See, we see the five wise bridesmaids. What separated them? They were wise enough to bring extra fuel, right? Because... Let's just be honest. Running out of gas usually is preventable, right? It's usually preventable. Just be prepared, right? These five wise bridesmaids, they had extra oil for their lamps. See, the five that did not take more, Jesus called them foolish. That's kind of harsh, right? I mean, these girls were probably nice, but that's kind of harsh, right? They were foolish. And see, we get the word foolish from the Greek word moros which is where we get the word moron. So in essence, Jesus is telling us not to be morons. Don't be a moron. See, so it'd be like us planning a long trip 
knowing we have a great long journey ahead of us and only filling the tank up halfway. Not bringing any money to get more fuel or passing up every gas station to see how far you can get before you run out. Not very smart. Right? Jesus is telling us, don't be a moron. The five foolish bridesmaids, they did not take enough oil. They weren't prepared for the long wait. Right? They thought he'd just be right back. They thought the transaction would not take so long. See, sometimes the bridesmaids, sometimes they would have to wait the wedding party would have to wait for a long period of time, whether that was, it was because it was a long journey from the father-in-law's house to the bridegroom's house, or maybe it just took longer because they were working out the contract. Some contract negotiations take a long time, right? It's not a, it's not a speedy process, right? But they didn't know when he was coming back. But see, these five wise bridesmaids, they took enough oil to last them a longer time. The five foolish bridesmaids, they just took them enough oil to get them from point A to point B. So we don't know why the bridegroom took so long. We don't know what took the groom so long. Maybe he had a long bachelor party and it just lasted too long, right? We don't know. But it turned out to be a slumber party because all the bridesmaids fell asleep. They fell asleep. And they left their torches on because it's dark and it's scary and they don't, you know, they don't want to be afraid. So verses 6 through 9. At midnight, they're aroused by the shout, Look, the bridegroom is coming. Come out and meet him. All the bridesmaids got up and prepared their lamps, which means they got up and cut the wicks, make sure they had fresh wick, and made sure their oil was filled so they could light their lamps. So they prepared their lamps. Then the five foolish ones asked the others, Please give us some of your oil, because our lamps are going out. Our lamps are going out. But the others replied, we don't have enough for all of us. Go to a shop and buy some for yourselves. Hmm. So they heard the shouts. The bridesmaids were awakened. Oh, here he comes. He's coming. I can, we can see him off in the distance. So they were getting their lamps ready, and they, they light their lamps, but... The five foolish bridesmaids' lamps, they were flickering and they went out. Oh, no, what are we going to do now? Because see, this was significant. This does not really seem like that big a deal. But if they did not have light, they would not be able to join in the wedding progression. Because it would be singing and dancing and all good stuff and a feast. They're going to miss out on it because if they didn't have their torches, if they didn't have their lamps, the, the, their way could not be guided. So they had to go find oil. And you think... These five foolish bridesmaids, they see the problem immediately, right? Oh, no. What are we going to do? Here's the separation. The five wise bridesmaids had extra. The five foolish bridesmaids didn't have enough. They were out. They were empty. And so they would do what any of us would do, right? Oh, Dad, can you come give me some, some gas? Right. Can you come help me out? Hey, can we borrow some oil? Our lamps are out, and we don't, we don't have enough. And you have extra. Can we just borrow some of yours? And you think, when I read this, I thought, well, the Christian thing to do here, right? The Christian thing to do here would be to share, right? I have extra. You need some. Here we go. No. See, in some, most of these parables, we see Jesus giving mercy, right? Like the workers in the vineyard, right? They were all able to work. But here, not so much. 
these five bridesmaids were like, no, no, no. We, we, we're going to watch out for ourselves. We only have enough for us to get to the party. You can go down to Weigel's and get your own. Right? We're not giving you any of ours. So any of us would, would do that in, in our position. Can we just borrow some, please? We, we thought he was going to be here sooner. We, we didn't know that it was going to take so long. We, we were not prepared. We were not prepared. Please just let us have some. But no. They weren't prepared for the long wait. You think these are some cutthroat bridesmaids, right? No mercy. See, borrowing it would be easy enough. You know, going to the store to buy more would be easy enough. Just time consuming, right? Just time consuming. And what was funny, I told first service when I was studying this parable, and the more I read it, and the more I studied it, the more it's you know, it's kind of like sounded like a bad Hallmark movie, right? Or a good Hallmark movie, good Hallmark movie. Sorry, ladies. But it was, it was. I started seeing the, the, the kind of the humor in it. But it's a serious humor, right? You have these five bridesmaids, and and they're thinking, well, we're prepared, we're prepared, we get to go. You don't. You lose, right? So they go off and they try to buy their own oil, or more fuel. Verses ten through thirteen. But here's where it gets serious. But while they were gone to buy oil, the bridegroom came. Then those who were ready went with him to the marriage feast, and the door was locked. The door was locked. Later, when the other five bridesmaids returned, they stood outside calling, Lord, Lord, open the door for us. But he called back, Believe me, I don't know you, so you too must keep watch, for you do not know the day or hour of my return. Keep watch. You don't know when. Five bridesmaids were prepared. Five were foolish and unprepared. Five of the bridesmaids got to take part in the wedding celebration. Five were foolish and they were left out. See, this would be a social suicide for them. Right? Because... Not only were they going to get to go to a huge marriage feast that would probably last for a few days, but their future husband was probably there, right? They were going to probably meet Mr. Wright at this wedding party. It was their responsibility. It was their duty to be a bridesmaid. And here they were. They were going to be left out. They were going to miss the wedding feast and the wedding and all the things that come with it. They were going to miss the, the, the ceremony. They were going to miss the bride being carried over the threshold, whatever, right? They were going to miss out on all of that. And this would have been a slap in the face to them back then. They missed out. This is one time where Jesus shows no mercy. I don't know you. There's no hidden meaning to this parable. I don't know you. Five were wise. They had extra oil. Five were foolish. They didn't have enough. They didn't have enough. Five were let in, five were shut out, banging on the door. Let me in. I don't know you. So there's no hidden meaning. So the bridesmaids in this parable represents us. Represents all of us. The five wise bridesmaids represents the professing Christians that have the Holy Spirit living in us. 
You've made him your personal savior. You, you read the word and follow it and you do what it says to your best ability. And you go to him. You seek him first. You put him first in your life. You make him Lord of your life. That's the only thing that made these bridesmaids wise. It wasn't because they were prettier. It wasn't because they knew the bride longer. It wasn't because they were dressed better. They were wise because they took extra oil. They had the Holy Spirit. The bridesmaids are us. They're us. The five foolish bridesmaids would be people that have heard the gospel but have not lived it. People that have heard the good news but have not accepted it. Right? They just go through the motions. Or people that have never heard the gospel before. We're all put in this category. You're either wise or you're foolish. But it's not about what you've done. It's not about how long you've waited. It's not about how good of a bridesmaid or groomsman you've been. It's about having oil. It's about being prepared. So the bridegroom is Jesus. The bridegroom is Jesus. And see, we don't know when he's coming back. We don't know when he's coming back. He'd come back to the bridesmaids at midnight when they were asleep. They were tired. They were drowsy. And this represents the second coming of Christ. Right? Because he went away on the cross for our sins, but he told us he would be back. He told us eventually, someday I will be back. I'm coming back. See, it was sudden, unexpected. The bridesmaids were waiting and waiting and waiting. Nothing until midnight, and they heard the cry. See, the oil here represents the Holy Spirit and our faith in the Holy Spirit. Our faith in the Holy Spirit. Those that were wise were welcome into the kingdom. They were welcome to that eternal party. And see, I love these parables because it just gives us a glimpse every time that heaven is a reward. But heaven is not only a reward, it's a celebration. It's a party, right? He's letting us know how great it is to be included. He's letting us know how great it is to be there. See, the foolish were left out and separated from Him. They were separated from Him. Five were wise. They were prepared. Five were foolish. They were unprepared. Five went in. Five were left out. So let's dive into four points on this. Oh, the title for today's sermon. I was going to wait to the end, but we'll go ahead and talk about it. But the end is where we begin. The end is where we're all going to begin. You know, I, I come up with this because there's a song that I like that was titled this. And so in 2015, our last year for county football here in Cumberland County, where we have the different separate schools, it was our last season. And, and I coached for South, and I said, guys, listen, this is it. This is the end of an era. This is the end. There's not going to be any more countywide championships. There's not even going to be any more countywide teams. So the next year, we were going to go to countywide, and we'd be combined. And so I told them, the end is where we begin. And they're like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I'm like, guys, what do you want your end to be? What do you want your end goal to be? Because this is the last season. This is the end of an era. And they're like, we want to win the last championship. Right? Like any team would. I'm like, well, if you want to win the championship, it's, we're going to start right now. Because you have to prepare like it's your end. 
You have to prepare in the beginning. You have to prepare in the now for the end. Because the end is where we truly begin. Because our end is all going to come at some point. Our end is all going to come at some point. And at that end, that's where eternity is going to begin. That's where our forever is going to begin. So for my team, we had to start preparing for the championship then. Because they wanted a certain outcome. Not to toot our own horns, but we won the championship that year, so it worked. Five went in. Five were accepted because they were wise, because they had the Holy Spirit. Five were left out because they were foolish, because they did not take enough. But the first point, the door was open for the prepared. So let's like this big door behind me. For the wise, it was wide open. Right now, the door is wide open for us. It's wide open. We can come to Him at any time. If you're lost, you can receive Him at any time. You can receive His Holy Spirit at any time. But don't procrastinate. Don't wait. The door is open for the prepared. The five bridesmaids, the, the wise bridesmaids were permitted to go in because they had extra oil. See, they could sleep easy waiting on the bridegroom because they were comfortable knowing they had extra oil. They had enough fuel to get them to where they needed to go they could sleep easy but as soon as they heard the shout the five foolish bridesmaids what did they do they automatically knew they were panicked we don't have enough they were scrambling we're out what do we do please give us some of yours no go get your own and so they left right that would be easy enough to just go buy more be easy enough just to go find more, just time consuming. See, time is something we don't know about. See, if you've accepted Christ and His Spirit lives in you, and you have His Spirit filling you, and you put your faith in Him, the Holy Spirit dwells in you, it thrives in you. And see, that seals us with Him. Not because we're the best bridesmaid or the best groomsman. It's not because of anything that we did. It's what we accept. It's who lives in, in us. So if you're here today and you have the Holy Spirit in you, you, you know Him as your personal Savior. You can sleep easy knowing that whenever He comes back, whether that's at midnight or tomorrow or 2,000 years from now, He's going to carry you away. You're going to be accepted. The door's going to be open for you. But if you're here today and you just went through the motions... You may be sitting here today and, and you, you go to church, but you've never accepted Him as your personal Savior. You don't have the Holy Spirit. The door's going to be shut. There was nothing special about the five wise bridesmaids. They just had oil. They had the Holy Spirit. And see, without oil, without fuel, there is no light. There's no light. Without them having oil, their torches were useless. And see, it wasn't their works that got them in. It wasn't their waiting that got them in. Right? It wasn't because they were pretty. It wasn't because they were the best. The only thing that got them in the door was the light. The light. And see, that's like Jesus shining His light through us. Right? We have that light because of His Holy Spirit. It's not about what we've done. We can't illuminate Him on our own. It's the Holy Spirit. Without oil, there is no light. The light is the only thing that got them in. 
His Holy Spirit's the only thing that's going to seal our eternity. That's it. It's not about our works. It's not about what we've done. It's not about how good you've been. It's about having the Holy Spirit living in you. Second thing, the door was shut. The door was shut on the unprepared. Now, I really wanted to have somebody in the back when I said that to slam that door and scare everybody, but I, I decided not to, so you're welcome. But the door was shut. And see, doors back then were kind of like that. They were heavy. And once they were shut, it was hard to open them back up. And not only was the door shut, but it was locked. And it wasn't just a little deadbolt lock, right? It was huge latches, right? No one or nothing was coming in. It was shut. It was locked. Now, as I was preparing for the sermon, uh, I had a memory flashback to me. and Not a very pleasant memory. Uh, but it goes along great with this. When I was about four, so I barely remember. It's one of those memories, most of the things that happened when you were four and five, you don't remember. But this one has stuck with me forever. Um, I was fortunate enough to be, uh, have spent a lot of time with my great-grandparents. Um, you know, they say it takes a village to raise a child. I'm one of those children that have been raised by villages, and I'll never take that for granted. But I got to spend a lot of time with my great-grandparents before I was in school. My, my parents were working, so I got to spend time with them. And they had a farm and homestead. And so I was outside a lot. Um, if it was not raining, if it was not snowing, I, I was outside. I wasn't allowed, allowed inside. I guess I was a messy kid. But I still remember to this day, I don't know what prompted me. I still this day, I don't know. But see, my grandparents, their farm was in Homestead, and their house was on Deep Draw Road. So if you're familiar with Homestead at all, you may not be. Anyway, the farmhouse was on Deep Draw Road, and then my grandparents lived on a house on the same farm, but they lived on Highway 68, right by the highway, same farm. So I got this great idea. I don't know why, but I wanted to go see my grandma. And so I didn't tell anybody. I'm probably in my diaper, right? And I decided to walk through my... I don't know if you know this story. I'm sorry if today's the first day you're hearing it. But I walk all the way up this eight-acre field by myself through the cows, dodging cow patties. I don't know if I dodged them or not. I'll probably walk through them, knowing me. But anyway, I walk all the way up, right? I, I get to the house because I've made that journey before but with people. And I was by myself. And I remember going up to the door. And I'd go to turn the doorknob. And I, I don't know why I thought they were at home. I don't know what I was thinking. I was four. Give me a break. But I would try to open the door, and it was locked. Well, I start to panic. Because now I realize how far away I am, that I'm alone, and there's a big road back here, right? And I just remember, I, I started beating on the door. I started beating on the door, and by this time, I'm crying. I, I'm just I'm snotting everywhere. I'm crying. I'm scared. And to this day, I could swear that I heard the TV going. I could, I could swear that I heard Young and the Restless in the background. So I just knew my grandma was home. I just knew she was home. And I'm like beating on the door, beating on the door. And I just remember crying. And, and it's funny, but it wasn't funny then. I was panicked. The door was shut. The door was locked. I wanted in so badly. And I also did not want to go back because I knew my great-grandmother was going to be there. And she was not a lady that showed mercy. I'm going to leave it at that. But I never did that again. She knew how to cut a switch, let me tell you. 
And I couldn't run from her, so she was a fast old lady. But the door was shut. The door was shut on me. I tried to get in, I couldn't. I was panicked. And see, one day we're, gonna, we're all going to face that. And see, that was just to get in to see my grandma. One day we're going to be at the door. And it's either going to be open and we're going to be able to walk right in because we had the light or it's going to be shut in our faces. And it's going to be locked. And you're going to be standing there screaming and crying, let me in, let me in. I can hear you guys talking in there. I hear the TV on. I hear you celebrating. Let me in. No. It's going to be locked. I don't know you. I don't know you. The door was shut and it stayed shut. When's that door going to be shut? None of us know. We don't know when that door is going to be shut. We have to be prepared. So the foolish bridesmaids, they got a response here. What was that response? I don't know you. See, I was scared that day. I was scared to tears. I was scared of where I was at and how far away I was, and I was scared to go back to my great-grandma because I knew what was coming. But I went back. I was scary. But I can't imagine any more frightening words than those that we just read. I don't know you. I could imagine that door being locked from the kingdom of heaven and not being able to get in. That's a scary thing. I don't know you. So when Teresa preached a couple of weeks ago, something that she said really stuck with me. And it was talking about her, her boss that she knew that always went to church, always went with his wife to church. He probably stood and sung songs. He probably tithed. He did all the walk, right? Yet he didn't have the Holy Spirit at that time. He did everything that you were supposed to do, but he didn't know Christ. He didn't know. He thought, maybe I'm doing a good enough job to get through. I'm doing a good enough job to get through the door. I'm doing just enough. I'm, I'm volunteering my time. I've been pretty good. He's going to let me in. I go to church. I've given. But see, some people don't want to fill their tank up with Christ. They think it's going to cost them too much. I might have to change my lifestyle. I might have to change the way I talk, the way I walk, where I go, who I talk to, how I talk to them. Right? And that's uncomfortable. See, these ten bridesmaids, five of them were comfortable because they knew they had extra. They were prepared. The other five foolish bridesmaids, they were just there for the party. They had enough to get them by, but they weren't accounting for the long journey. They were not prepared. Some of us are not prepared today. Some of you are not prepared. Do not go out of this room today without being prepared. See, you might have to change your lifestyle. You say, well, he hasn't come back yet. I've got time. Right? And people, since, since Jesus told this parable, have been prophesying about when he's coming back. Or he's coming back then. He's coming back this time. Right? Martin Luther even said that we're living in the end times and we've only got about 100 years to go. He was wrong. Right? 
He was wrong. Everyone to this point that has tried to predict when Jesus is coming back has been wrong. Year 2000, we thought the, the world was going to take over because the computers were going to crash, right? 2012, the Mayan calendar was, was running out. Oh no, we're running out of days, right? People panicked. People panicked. I was on a cruise. So I didn't care. I'm, I know who lives in me. And if he comes back, whether I'm on a cruise or I'm on bed asleep, I'm prepared. I have the Holy Spirit. Are you prepared today? Do you have the Holy Spirit? See, it didn't work out for the bridesmaids that were not prepared. See, he's going to come back, and he's going to come back unexpectedly. He's telling us that over and over and over again. You do not know when I'm coming back. Time to get ready is limited. Number three, be ready and be prepared. Be ready, be prepared. See, the bridesmaids, they had plenty of time to be prepared, right? It was the, the, uh, for whatever reason, the, the bridegroom was dragging his feet, right? He was taking his time. I don't know if the transaction was, the contract was too long or he had a long bachelor party or whatever, but it was taking him a long time. Maybe he was taking the scenic route. I don't know. But five of the wise bridesmaids were prepared. Five were not. Five were foolish. They thought they had more time. They were wrong. The Bible plainly states that they were morons. I read a story about a, a couple that was dating. They just started dating, and this was like the third date, and they made plans. And uh, so the, the girl, she was you know, getting ready. She was putting on her makeup, getting dressed, getting ready. And 15 minutes went by, and he still hadn't showed up. 30 minutes went by, an hour went by. He hadn't called or anything, so she's getting kind of worried. And an hour and a half went by, and two hours finally went by, and she's like, I'm, I'm done. He just stood me up. He's forgot. I don't know. So she goes and takes off all her makeup. You know, she spent minute, you know, hours doing that, and she took off her fancy clothes and put up her pajamas and popped up on the couch and ready just to watch TV and, and cry and eat popcorn. I don't know. And then finally she heard a knock on the door, and it was her boyfriend. And he's like, I am two hours late, and you're still not ready. He's going to be late. How late, we don't know. It might be tomorrow. It might be 10 years from now. It might be 2,000 more years from now. We do not know. But we have to be ready when he does come. We have to be prepared. Be ready. Be prepared. It's not about knowing when he's going to come back. It's about being prepared and being ready when he does come. See, the foolish bridesmaids just thought they could borrow their way in. That they could just get in with borrowing oil from other people. And see, some of us might be in, like that in here. That, well, my grandpa's prayed for me so much. See, our parents can't save us. No one can do that except yourself. It's a relationship between you and the Heavenly Father. It's only about you. It's personal. See, we see in this parable today that everyone's spiritual responsibility it's, it's, it's on them. Their spiritual condition is on them. It's on you. It's on me. No one has control over that except you. See, spiritual preparation cannot be bought. It cannot be borrowed. It cannot be bought and borrowed at the last minute. Yeah, right now the door is open. 
But don't think you've got more time because you don't know. Our relationship with the Father has to be our own. It has to be our own. You're either in or you're out. You're either in or you're out. In James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25, it says, But don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourselves. Don't be a moron. For if you listen to me to the word and don't obey, it is like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says... And you don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. So how do we be prepared? It's by doing that. By reading the word and doing what it says. Being ready. Be prepared. Do what it says. Follow him. Keep him first. You're either in or you're out. Just like the song says, you've got to keep him first. We need to seek him first. We need to want him first. Above anything else, we cannot put him off and put him second or third. He has to be first. That's how you're prepared. That's how you're ready. See, months of planning goes into a marriage, getting married. Months of planning goes into having a child most of the time. Months of planning goes into buying a house. Months of planning goes into a career change. You don't just change things automatically most of the time. You plan it out. You weigh pros and cons. Right? But do we place that same importance? Do we plan that same way for the second coming of Christ? Because He's coming back for us. Are we planning the same way? Are we just putting it on the back burner saying, Oh, it's been a long time. They've been saying he's going to be coming back for a long time and it's not happened yet. I've got plenty of time. Do you? Do you? Now, who in here watches movies and you fast forward it to the beginning to see how it ends? No one does that. Or no one wants to admit it anyway. We watch the beginning to find out what happens in the end. But our eternity, we have to be the opposite of that. We have to know that the beginning is our ending. Right? Where we end is our beginning. We are either going to be in or we're going to be out. The end is where we begin. Think about it. If you went back in time and you were on the Titanic and you knew what was going to happen, would you be in a restaurant buttering your toast or would you have your feet up on the deck rearranging the deck chairs and getting the lifeboats ready? Even though people were going to be looking at you like, what are you doing? Right? You know the end result. You know what's going to happen. You know you don't want to be in that cold water. Do you know you don't want to be in torment? Where do you want to be? Do you want to be in or do you want to be out? Because you don't know the time, but we know the ending. Are you in or are you out? So we have to be ready and we have to keep watch. We have to keep watch. 
In Mark chapter 13 it says, However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven, nor the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his servants instructions about the work they were to do. And he told a gatekeeper to watch out for his return. There's work for us to do until he comes back. What's that work? Feathering the Holy Spirit. Getting others through the door while we still have time. Leading others to Christ. That's our work. You too must keep watch. For you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. We don't know. You don't know. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. Watch for him. Seek him first. Because one of these days, he's going to come back. We're going to hear the shout. And he's going to come back to get us. He's going to come back to get the ones that were prepared for the extra oil. If he lives in you, if you have the Holy Spirit, he's going to come back for you. You are going to be open and welcome into his kingdom. You're going to be partying for the eternity. Your ending is just going to be the beginning. But if you don't know him and he comes back and you're not prepared, your, your ending, your, your beginning at the end is going to be a lot worse because you're going to be at that door for a long time crying and knocking and no one's going to hear you. It's going to be locked. You're going to, you're going to be left out. Are you in or are you out? For us today, Jesus should be the central focus. We should be waiting on Him, watching out for Him, living our lives for Him, doing what the Bible tells us to do for Him to further His kingdom. That's our job. That's the work that we have to do. And keep watch. Now, when I, when I heard keep watch, I, I keep thinking about the veterans of World War II where they'd be in the foxholes and they would be paired up and one guy would always keep watch while the other one was slept because if you, both of them fell asleep, that was not a good thing. We have to be that same way. We have to be watching out for each other because we do not know when he's coming back. We cannot be caught sleeping. We have to be ready and we have to get others ready because we do not know when he's coming back. I love this parable because Jesus is being predicted. I, I mean, uh, he's being imaging with being a bridegroom. The image of him being a bridegroom. It kind of sounds weird, right? But he tells us in John chapter 14 that he's going to prepare a place for us in his father's house. There are many mansions. I'm preparing those for you. One day I'm going to come back and take you to my house. So like I said, these, these weddings back in the day, they were built onto the father's house. And then they were built on again. He's preparing a place for us to spend eternity. All we have to do is accept it. All we have to do is keep our lamps full of the Holy Spirit. The light is what's going to get us in. Do you have that light today? Do you have that light today? Let's bow our heads. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word today. 
We thank you for the parables that you're teaching us. Lord, I pray today that if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that has never accepted you as their personal Savior, that they're not prepared, they're not ready, Lord, you're, you're giving them an extra chance. They have a chance today to accept you. They have a chance today to be filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, let today be that day. Lord, for the rest of us here that maybe our tank's running low. Maybe we're not walking the way we need to walk. We're not talking the way we need to talk. We're not, we're not keeping watch good enough. We're not working good enough. Lord, let us be more on fire for you. Because it's our job to be on watch and to be ready and be prepared and to get everyone else prepared while we still have time. Lord, just thank you. Lord, if there's anyone here today that needs you, Lord, just let them come to you. Lord, just let us seek you first. We want you first. Lord, above everything else, we want to follow you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.